Hey, before we jump right into uh, the sermon, I have a couple of things I'd like to share with you. First, um, want to say thank you. <laughs> want to say thank you so much for um, for coming out last week. We had the largest group of people in the church's history come out from a work, for a work day, and yeah, who is right? Um, and that is that is in June. Okay, usually the work days are, are not always in the summertime, but having a hundred people come out for a work day in June, at the end of June, is it's just amazing. So I want to thank you for that, and I want you to make sure you, if you get a chance to go back and, and look, there's a, the women's room is right there, look to your left, and you see how we gutted that back area, some of the things we did. We probably saved the church $15,000 last week by having people come in and paint so many things and rearrange things and cut holes in walls. And it was amazing because we're growing and so we need more space, uh, especially in the children's ministry. We need more space in this building. And so we're trying to expand the space. And so it was a tremendous turnout. I thank you so, so much for coming out. We worked from 1230 to 730. And that was amazing. So thank you, thank you. The other thing is... Um, The vision of our church is to be a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. And one of the cool things about that vision is we do things that are a little unorthodox in our church, and we love every minute of it. The Crone Conservatory asked us to come and build an aquaponic system and a hydroponic system, and I think aeroponics, right, Adam? Is that what it's called? Okay. Okay. so we, we were, we're down there this week, actually we've been doing it for months, but it's being displayed starting this Tuesday at Crone Conservatory. So if you want to go down there and take your family, it's awesome. The, if you've never been down the Crone Conservatory, it's really cool. But even cooler is the fact that we were able to build the hydroponics, aquaponics, and aeroponics system down there and some other tier gardening. And you can see that set up uh, starting this Tuesday. And I, I, I mentioned this. I'm going to go into more detail later about this over the next couple of weeks to share with you some of the exciting things God is doing through the church, but um, on top of the uh, the, um, Crone Conservatory, the Cincinnati Zoo called us. They they built a new restaurant. They added on a greenhouse, and they wanted us to build the aquaponic system in their greenhouse, so that's happening, and Pete West said this morning it'll be done by the end of the week, so sometime next week, you can probably go down to the Cincinnati Zoo and see the aquaponic system we built for the Cincinnati Zoo as well. I'm sorry, but that's a big deal that, you know, that we'd be able to pull something like that off. It's exciting. It's exciting. And, and some people might be sitting here wondering, why would a church do that? Because if it's not sinful, it's what? It's sacred. So that's what we're doing. We're going outside the box a little bit. We are unorthodox in our way to reach out to our community. And if it takes building an aquaponic system or a hydroponic system or an aeroponic system, whatever kind of system you want, we're going to reach out to our community and share the love of Jesus Christ with all the gifts that are displayed here at Grace Chapel. And there are a lot of them. And I'm going to share a lot of those over the next few weeks. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Continuing our series, Great to Good, Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. It says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. I saw a bumper sticker uh, in the past that said, Tithe if you love Jesus, any fool can honk. Okay? And I like it. 
And I was just walking out of church today. Someone said, hey, I have one for you. And she said, if anyone in the church has a suggestion, I'd love to take them. Just write them on a $20 bill. I thought that was really good, too. If you have a suggestion, just write them on some money or listen to them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this is a great series. This series has really been impacting our lives. And what we talked about at the beginning of this series was Jeremiah 616, walking on the ancient path, walking in the good way, following those who've come before us. And one of the people who've come before us is this poor widow. As I read Luke, I found it very interesting that Jesus would use the temple treasury as his place to, to give his last teaching before he left the temple forever. This morning in our series, Great to Good, Jesus contrasts the difference between the um, so-called, if you will, phony goodness of the religious leaders with the true goodness and devotion of this poor widow. Now, if we look at this closely, at these verses, we find some very simple principles about giving that can help us grow to spiritual maturity. And that's what we're talking about this summer. Spiritual maturity. How do we start out in May one person and then come to September a completely different person, more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? And these simple principles coming out of Luke 21 will help us to do that. As many of you know, Jesus talked more about money than anything else in the New Testament. He talked more about money than anything else he talked about. I think prayer is probably second. But money was first. Because this is an area we all struggle with in our lives. It just is. I mean, from, you know, at some point in your life, most likely as a believer, you struggled in this area. I know I did. I grew up without much money at all. My mom and I were poor. And when I became a Christian, and as I grew in my, in my faith, even into ministry, because I got saved when I was uh, 18, 17 years old, right before 18, when you start to get some resources, when you start to get some money, it's really difficult to start to give that money away. Because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or what if I don't have? And it took God to really, in a dream actually, to, to do something miraculous in my life, to help me realize, hey, God's in control. He owns it all. He gives it, he takes it away, he owns it all. And I was able then to start giving, but I understand the stress that it takes in some people's lives to talk about this subject. So we need to make sure that we as individuals and as a church are focused because if we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, this is one area that we all need to work on. Let me, let me illustrate this whole idea of the difficulty it is for a church to, 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 to give sometimes. I love this story. A pastor stood before the congregation and said, I have bad news, I have good news, and I have bad news. The congregation was very quiet. The bad news is the church needs a new roof. The congregation groaned. The good news is we have enough money to get a new roof. A sigh of relief was heard rippling throughout the church. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. Right? (laughs) Isn't that true? It's like you're like, oh man, if the roof started leaking right now, you'd be like, oh man, that's going to cost us. And if I said, hey, we got plenty of money to pay for the roof, you're like, oh, good, good, good. It's still in your pockets. Is that's true? It's true. We have a difficulty. Like someone said, I didn't do this this morning in the first service. They said, you have to do your dig deep. You know, if I were to come up and say, you know, dig deep, brothers. You know, when the thing you're like, oh man, 
Oh man, we're going to have to pay for this roof. It's hard for us sometimes to give up what we think belongs to us. But the reality is it doesn't. It all belongs to God and God has allowed us to steward the money that he has given to us. Jesus talked more about money, about giving, than anything else. Because this, more than anything else, can lead us off of the ancient path. Can lead us off of the good way can doom us to a life of spiritual mediocrity. If we do not grow in this area, we will not grow to maturity. Period. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. Quick side note, okay? Just for, just for your own hearts. Our church is in the best financial position it's ever been in in the church's history. Okay, this is a perfect time for me to talk about this because it gets our minds off. Oh, man, we need to, you know, the only reason he's talking about this is because we're, you know, being low and giving. Not at all. Not at all. It's not about how much we have or don't have. It's about our hearts. It's about what Christ is calling us to do. It's about spiritual maturity. It's about becoming more like Jesus Christ in the parallel verse. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, it says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. This account shows us that Jesus is concerned about the treasury of the house of God. In other words, Jesus cares about the finances of the church. He cares about it. It matters to him. He was watching as people were putting that money in. Mark tells us that he watched, he watched as each person gave. Now, if we we talked about in the very beginning, digging a little deeper. As we dig a little deeper, we find out that the word watched or saw in some translations means to look at something with interest or, or, or purpose, usually indicating a careful observation of the details. So Jesus, if we, if we had a situation, we don't pass the offering plate around, we have boxes and stuff, but if each, uh, during the service, everyone got up in Africa, they have like a big pot up in front, and people get up and they dance and they put their money, and they do it two or three times, and they come around and you can, the pastor can just watch what people put in. Jesus was watching what everyone put in. But it wasn't just a watching with the eyes. It was a watching with the heart. He knew what they gave. He knew how much they gave. He knew the motive in which they gave. He knew the heart with which they gave. So he was watching intensely. Intensely. It was an observation to the details. And of all the people Jesus saw putting in money... None of them really, really impressed him, except this widow, except this poor widow. She impressed him. God is interested in our giving because his purpose and plan, the purpose and plan that he has for our lives is tied to our heart to giving. And I'm going to keep using that. Our heart to give to our tithe. For some reason, God has tied those together. And I don't have to think about some reason. The reason is this is where we struggle the most. This is where most people within the church struggle in their spiritual walk. It's in the area of giving because it's so difficult for a lot of different reasons. For a lot, I just shared one. For me, in the very beginning of my Christian walk, that was the reason. So God is interested. The word tithe is a very simple word. It means one-tenth. Okay, one-tenth. It's basically, it's, and here's what I don't want to do this morning. 
Now, some of you who are older spiritually are thinking, well, that's Old Testament law. We're not under law, we're under grace. I don't want to have a debate about law or grace because Old Testament says 10%. In the New Testament, it basically says, how much more then should we who know Christ in all areas of our lives? So it doesn't, that, that's not really the big issue. The issue I want to discuss this morning, really, where, what Jesus is talking about here in this passage, the contrast that he's making between the, the, the wealthy religious leaders of the day and those who others and this poor widow is an attitude of the heart. It's a heart issue. It's not, an, it's not just an amount issue. That matters, but it's a heart issue. That's what Jesus is talking about. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, we read this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me with this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. One thing we can all agree upon, okay? One thing we can all agree upon. When we give from the heart, God blesses us. I'm not going to stand here and tell you, like I've heard from others uh, that I totally disagree with, that if you give $100, God's going to give you 1000 If you give 1000 God's going to give you 10000 okay? That, that almost puts greed into the equation. What it says is God's going to bless you. God is going to bless us as a church. I find it very interesting that at the point where we are in our giving, there are so many amazing things happening all over this church. So many things are going to go blow your mind. And I will tell you about all of them, I promise, in the next couple of weeks. I keep talking about it, but I don't tell you. One was the aquaponics, hydroponics, and the fact that the zoo said we could do that. But we'll talk in detail about a lot of those things. But God is blessing us. A hundred people show up to a work day. There's enthusiasm. We're on fire. We're growing this summer. It all ties together. God is blessing the church. God is blessing Grace Chapel right now. It's an exciting time to be a part of this body. God will bless us as we give from our hearts. Now, before I move on, I need, I need to say this. Our, our, our tithe um, is our way of investing in the lives of other people. That's what it, it boils down to here. Our tithe, as you tithe, this is not just dump it in the box and walk away. And you know, when you when you give to when you give to the church, when you give to God, God uses those resources. The church, as 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 the body of Christ, uses those resources to invest in the lives of others. Last week, I talked about the fact that if we if we raised enough money through a matching gift, we could drill two wells. We didn't get all the way there, but we we got down the road, which is great. We are going to drill two wells. Because of your giving. Now, you gave, those two wells are going to be drilled and people's lives are going to be saved. Children are not going to die because we gave. There's a direct correlation to our giving and investing in the lives of those who are in need. Not just in Africa, but all over the world. Not just, in, not just all over the world, but right here in our own congregation. We give more at home than we give anywhere else. But I just can't share all that with you all the time because you understand. It's people that, you know, that are close to you probably. And, and we, but we give to people that are in need. The people sitting right next to you are people that we invest in. It, it translates from our gifts to people's lives. It rebuilds and furthers the kingdom of God. Now, I realize that many people here have either put themselves or find themselves in financial difficulty. Right? So it is very hard for a lot of people to, 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 to meet that, that 10%, if you will, if we just use that as a, a line, to meet that 10% uh, 
of, 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 your, of, your, of your income kind of thing. But here's what you need to do. Tithing cannot ever become a, a, a guilt trip. It can't be this guilty kind of thing. Someone gets up and makes you feel guilty and shows some pictures and asks you for money or whatever the case may be or whatever it is. I don't, I don't want that at our church at all. Here's what you do if you're in that position where you're not able to do that right now. Because whatever, for whatever financial position you put yourself in, you start to give something. Right? From the heart. Give it from the heart with joy. Be excited knowing that your money is going to be invested someplace, whether it's in a facility across the street or here for our children's ministry or allowing 2,000 people a week to use the facility uh, in the wintertime and, and investing in their lives. Your, your resources are going to do something exciting for the kingdom of God. So give what you can. And then, as time goes on, continue to put yourself in a position where you can give more and a little more and a little more. There are people who literally make so much money. They don't, I don't have anyone here at the church, but I know of people who make so much money, they live on 10% and give 90% of the way. That's what God has called them to do. So just put yourself in a position where you can begin to give from the heart, not from a guilty conscience of some kind because someone's pushing you or coercing you. It needs to come from the heart because that will then help you grow spiritually. You will not grow spiritually, which is all I care about, if you do it with, with a hardened heart like, gosh, if I, you know, I'm going to have to give. My goodness, I'm so sick of hearing him talk about giving for the first time in a year. But I feel like I have to. Don't do that. Because that's not what we're talking about. We want you to grow spiritually. We want you to come into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Give, giving should never be a guilt trip. It should only be a joy. Here's the thing. When God is watching what we do, I'm going to say this again. When God is watching as we give, as Jesus was watching as we give, He's not only looking at the actions in every area of our lives, not just in giving, apply this to every area of your life. When God is watching what we do, He's not just looking at our actions, He's looking at our attitudes. He's looking at our motives. That's what matters to God. That's what I'm talking about with the giving. If you put yourself in a position where you can't give that much, just give a little. Because God cares about the heart more than anything else. He cares about the motives more than anything else. And if you think you're too young, well, I don't have a job yet. Some of you younger people, okay, some teenagers and younger, you have a lot of expendable income that you get from wherever. Maybe your parents give you allowance. Maybe you work a little bit. Maybe your grandma just sends you money. I don't know. This does not exclude you. This is a, now is a great time to start thinking about what you can sacrifice. What can I give to get in that habit, to get in that spiritually mature habit of giving? Giving in every single area. Give of yourself, give of your resources, give of your talents. But you have to get into that mode of giving. He cares about, God not only cares about, what we, he cares about how we make the money, but he also cares about how much we give back of the resource that he has given to us. Biblical principle. Someone else walking out of here this morning said, when we came to the point in our lives where we understood that it was his, not ours, it changed everything. That the resources that I have been given, the talents that you have, come from God. The abilities, the gifts, everything comes from God. You use those gifts, talents, and abilities to receive resources for what you do. They all belong to God. It all belongs to God. And what you're doing is giving back a portion of what already belongs to Him. When that enters your mind, it changes your way of thinking. It changes your perspective completely. Now, I want you to notice a couple of other things in conjunction with how we give to the Lord's work. Two things, right? Number one, 
Like I said, when you're, when you're giving from the heart, it makes all the difference. Let me, let me share an illustration with you. A little girl loved the Lord and longed to share her message, share the message of Christ with those on the mission field. She just loved the mission field. She contributed a penny to a missionary to help in the work of evangelizing people in Burma. The missionary was so touched by the little girl's response that she decided to do the most she could, he decided to do the most he could with the little penny. After careful thought, he bought a gospel tract and personally gave it to a young chieftain. The chieftain would not admit that he couldn't read, yet he burned with a desire to know the contents of the leaflet. He traveled 250 miles to find someone who would read it to him. After hearing the gospel message, it was not long after that this young chieftain gave his life to Jesus Christ. Returning to his people, he told them what the Lord had done for him. Later, he invited missionaries to come and share Jesus with the village. Many tribesmen accepted the good news and were saved. All this and probably more resulted from one dedicated penny given to Jesus Christ in his name by a little girl who gave it from her heart. That's what we're talking about here. Giving from the heart. That's what matters. That's what Jesus, he was watching people. He saw them put it in. He was looking not only what they gave, he was looking at the motives. He was looking at the heart. And that's what that little girl did. She had a penny. She gave it with the intent that missions would go forward. And this missionary understood it and used it in the best way he could. He stewarded her her penny in the best way he could, and he changed hundreds of lives. If we give from the heart to, to God, our hearts to God, God will use it to further his kingdom. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, it says this Each of you should give what you have decided to, to, to in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There it is. God loves a cheerful giver. What that verse means, basically, when you're writing your checkout or you're transferring, whatever you're doing, you should do it with joy. In your, you should be excited. You should be giddy about writing that out. Write that checkout, add another zero. You'll be giddy. I'll be giddy. I'm just kidding. No, you just, you feel, <laughs> no, you feel it. And you should be excited about it, knowing what God's going to do with those resources. We have incredible people oversee the resources of our church. The former CFO of Lenscraft of Lexotica is one of our controllers. We just hired someone else who's going to be helping us with that as well. We have people in place, people who serve here at the church, who watch the resources and the finances of the church. I'm not so good at that. So we have a lot of people around me who watch those things. We have budgets. You can know that when you give, your money is going to do things that are going to change the world and make a difference for the kingdom of God. God wants us to be excited about giving because we can use those gifts to impact the lives of people around the world and in our own community. Second thing I want you to recognize here is the kind of giving that impresses God, especially when Jesus was watching, were gifts that cost us. If it costs us, God is excited about it. Mother Teresa said, give, but give till it hurts. Give, but give till it hurts. The sincerity, this is it, the sincerity and the sacrifice of the, of the giving of this poor widow moved Jesus. He was moved by it. He was watching everyone, people walk over with big old things of, of you know, jingle, 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 jingle. <laughs> looking around, who, who's watching? Jingle, jingle, jingle. You know, look at me, look how much I'm giving. And they gave large amounts. And he's there, you know. 
But then all of a sudden, this widow comes up, this poor widow, and gives hers. And Jesus is moved. He's moved by it because it was a sacrifice, because it cost her something. In verses 3 and 4, we're told that this woman was not just a widow, she was a poor widow. There's a big difference here. She was in extreme poverty and in real danger of imminent starvation. There's the point. So here's a person ready to, I mean, you know, in danger of imminent starvation, going up and giving, it says, two small copper coins, mites. Okay, a mite, a mite was basically um, the smallest coin that was made. Was the smallest coin that was made. It was worth like one one hundredth of a denarius, which is basically if you worked at minimum wage at that time for 15 minutes. So it's 15 minutes of work at minimum wage. That's what she had. And that's all she had. And she gave that. The amount of the gift doesn't truly matter to God. What matters to God is the sacrifice. If it costs the giver. It is the sacrifice of the gift. That's why Jesus says that she put in more than all the rest. That's what he says. She put in more. She, had, she put in all she had to live on. All she had to live on. He's saying that she sacrificed. She didn't give more money than all the rest. They, they out gave them two, two, two um, a widow's might, nothing. Fifteen minutes at minimum wage. These other people, these rich, these rich religious guys were throwing in all kinds of money. And Jesus is unimpressed. She puts it in. Why is he impressed? Because she's giving all that she has. She's sacrificing. She gave more than everyone else because she gave all that she had. She sacrificed herself. See, our culture, listen to me, and this is not political. Do not go into a political mindset. Please listen to me. Our culture is killing this biblical principle. Killing this biblical principle. The poor are being told that they're being cheated by the rich. They're being ripped off by the rich. And so they, they deserve, they should be entitled to get. So you, we get a culture of giving this stuff to whatever. And so what happens is... It's very seldom, it's becoming extinct that people have the mindset when they have less to give sacrificially. Because of course you're being cheated, everyone's being cheated by someone else, and so therefore this whole concept, this whole biblical principle of giving wherever we are, whether we're rich or middle class or poor, it's being ripped away from the poor and it's terrible. Because you cannot grow spiritually. You cannot come to spiritual maturity. You cannot be complete in Christ, if you will, here as we work through and we try to become more like Jesus Christ. That's not going to happen if you pull this principle away from people. It's not just the rich who need to give sacrificially. It's not just the middle class who need to give sacrificially. It is the poor. It is those with less who need to give sacrificially. And when that is taken from them, it's a crime. It's a spiritual crime. How then can we grow to become more like Jesus Christ? How can we walk in the good way? How can we walk on the ancient path? How can we follow those who have come before us, who have given sacrificially, if we're told, you don't have to give. You, you oh, sorry for, you know, you don't have to, no, no, you just, re, don't, you just receive, you don't give. That's wrong. It's, 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 it's a wrong principle. It is wrong it says that she gave all that she had to live on. It's telling us that she gave what she had. Jesus says she was giving what she had to sustain her. She had no fallback, my friends. She had no government programs. I don't know if there are many people in this country, maybe there are some, who have ever, who have ever been in her category. 
whoever, whoever or in her situation. But she gave. Here's the thing. She understood her situation. She was no fool. But she gave sacrificially, trusting that God was going to care for her. It's another principle that, we're, that, being, that people are being robbed of. Trusting in God. We need to trust in God. We need to know that God is going to take care of us. God can be trusted to meet our needs. This widow was setting an example that we can trust God with all that we have. Everyone else in this story gave out of their abundance. They gave out of their surplus. They wouldn't miss it. That was Jesus' point. They weren't going to miss it. Don't matter, doesn't matter how much they were throwing in. They weren't going to miss it. But you know what? She was willing to sacrifice what little she had. And Jesus was moved by it. Rich or poor. Rich or Poor or middle class, the idea is that each of us needs to give sacrificially. That is the point. If you want to take a giant leap, simple. If you want to take a giant leap of faith, you want to take a giant leap in your spiritual growth. If you want to become more spiritually mature this summer, apply this principle. More than any other principle we've talked about so far, apply this principle. C.S. Lewis put it in great words. Here's what he said. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than you can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not pinch or hamper us, we should say that they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot because our charitable expenditures exclude them. Which means if you're at whatever level you are income-wise and you're doing everything else that everyone else is doing within your income bracket, C.S. Lewis is saying you're probably giving too little. He's saying stretch. Stretch your spiritual to, to your spiritual maturity. Now, I know some people this morning are sitting here and you are unhappy as all get out that I'm talking about tithing. Don't like it at all. Don't like it in the slightest bit. You're focused on me. You're angry that I'm even bringing the subject up. And some people in the room are even most likely judging my motives. And most likely, the reason you're judging my motives is because someone in the past, some pastor in the past has embezzled or done something with the, you know, you know irresponsible, maybe put flat screen TVs that came out of his desk in the office or whatever, push a button, they come, oh, you know what I mean? You're tithing and he's like a you know, lap of luxury with a jacuzzi in the back of his office. I don't know what, what, what church he went to. Or maybe it was those guys in the 1980s, those televangelists, you know, Baker and all the kind of people who turned out really well. But, you know, maybe it's those people who, who really turned you off. And now I'm bringing it up and bringing all these things up. And, you know, this is a, it's a great way for you just to turn me off completely and say, see, I come to church and he's talking about giving for the first time in a year to my chagrin. I should be talking about it more, but I haven't. I want you to please listen. If that's your mindset, please listen to me. This is about you. This, this is about you. This is about your heart, not mine. This is about your attitude, not mine. This is about your fear, not mine. And maybe this is about your disobedience, not mine. 
Don't, don't get focused on me. Don't get focused on all these other things. Focus on yourself. My responsibility in this series is to help us follow Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Ask where the ancient path is. Ask where the good way is and follow it. Follow after those who come before us, who have sacrificed, who have shown us a way. Walk on the ancient path. Walk in the good way. That's my responsibility. I promised God before we started this series that I was not going to shrink back from saying the difficult things that needed to be said. I promised him. And we are nowhere near through the summer. There's much more to come. But I promised I would not shrink back and and worry about what people might think, what people might say, because the most important thing for me in this series is that each one of us grow in spiritual maturity, that we move forward on our spiritual journey. And please understand something. I don't know about other pastors. I'm not knocking or or I'm not saying any. All I'm saying is that I preach to myself before I preach to you. When I write this and then I study it over and over and over again, I talk to myself. I ask myself difficult questions. Where are your motives? Where, where's your heart? You're giving, but do you, do you have the right give? Are you giving enough? Are you, are you giving sacrificially? Are you just writing a check? I ask myself those questions because I want to make sure before I get up and talk to you, I'm talking to myself. So what we, what we all need to do is just take a deep breath. If you're in that mindset right now, take a deep breath and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. It is not about me and it is not. Don't don't focus on me and don't focus on someone in the past who maybe did something. That's the past. You're in a you're in a you're in a strong, healthy church right now. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and move in your heart. Move in your life. I want to just go back to one quick point. I am so tired. Okay of the beat up on the rich mantra. Someone asked me before I preached the sermon, you're not going to beat up on rich people, are you? I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because it's not about the rich, it's not about the middle class, it's not about the poor. And I said, like I said before, if you're in that poorer category, whatever, however you want to, you know, whatever category you want to put yourself in, if you're in that category, I want you with all of your heart to hear, hear what I'm saying. You need to sacrifice you need to sacrifice like those around you. You need to sacrifice like, every, like this poor widow. Follow in the good way. Follow her lead. That will help you grow more than almost anything else you can do in your life. So this is not about beating up on the rich. And I think we should stop doing it. I think we should look into our own hearts. If our country needs something, I think we should sacrifice for our country. I think we should sacrifice our lives, sacrifice our giving, sacrifice our talents, but together, do it all together. But this whole beating up on other people around us doesn't get us anywhere. And it gives, and what it does, it gives other people an excuse not to sacrifice for people in need. That's not where we need to be. That's not what Jesus is calling us to do. We don't need to create excuses for people not to do what God is calling them and demanding that they do. And we all need to be in this category of following after this poor widow. The reality is God cares how much we give. He does. He cares how much all of us give. He's concerned about it. I'm concerned about what you give on a spiritual level for your spiritual growth. I have a, a story I want to share with you. I maybe shared it before, maybe a couple of years ago, but I'm going to share it again because I absolutely love it. Two men were marooned on an island. One man, I, I, had a, I can't help you laughing when I'm reading it. One man... Um, paced back and forth, worried and scared. 
He was completely scared. And the other man was just pregnant, laying back and relaxed as he can be. He was sunning himself under. He was just kind of sunning himself. And then he would kind of sit underneath the tree and relax, put his hands back. And the first man says, what is wrong with you? Don't you realize we're about to die? We're going to die here. Aren't you worried? No, said the second man. I make $100,000 a week. And I tithe faithfully, weekly to my church. My pastor is going to find me. <laughs> I would find you too. I really, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you got to love that. Here's, here's the point. Okay, here's the point. The point is that we as individuals and as a church body, giving reflects health. I don't particularly care how ultimately large Grace Chapel grows. I want it to be healthy. Healthy. If we are healthy, God can use us in powerful ways. If we're healthy, God can move in this church in, a, in, in miraculous ways. Even if there are a hundred people in the church, God can do miraculous things. God can move mountains in a church that is healthy. That is healthy. God can use us. That's the important thing. Jesus is not only observing their giving, but how they gave. He observed what they gave. He saw, again, all these rich people were throwing money in the temple treasury. And he didn't react at all. But then this widow throws in her money and he uses as an example, he uses her as a tool, if you will, this whole as a teaching time, as a tool to teach his disciples. He was truly moved by it. In Jesus' mind, my friends, it's not just the amount here. It's not just the amount. It's the proportion I love this quote by Warren Wiersbe. He said, when it comes to our giving, God sees more than the portion. He sees the proportion. What she gave was, was, was monetarily unimpressive. But it's how she gave it that was really impressive. Jesus said that she gave more than all the rest. The Bible doesn't tell us that this widow knew that he was watching or what he thought. But can you just imagine when she stood before Jesus Christ in heaven and she probably heard something like, well done, good and faithful servants. I have used your example to inspire billions. Can you imagine what she felt like at that moment in heaven when Jesus pointed that out to her? I've used your example to inspire billions of people. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-5 through 5 says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their, and their, their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urgently pleaded that's what we want with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the lord's people and they exceeded our expectations they gave themselves first to the lord and then by the will of god to us that is the attitude we need to strive for because that is the attitude of a healthy church and that's what matters if we are a healthy church, if we are a healthy church, there's nothing we can't do. I'm going to close with two stories. Two stories. There was a woman in our church, she was very poor. She first came to the U.S. and she very quickly found herself in, a, in an extremely abusive situation. When we found out about it, we did everything we possibly could to help her. We gave her a place to live. We gave her some, some, uh, some furnishings from new to you, food from the food pantry, everything we could do. She worked really, really hard. She's an incredible woman. She worked really hard. She got herself a job. She was able to buy a car. She found a place to live. She did all these things. And when she got her first paycheck, you know what she did? 
She drove over to the church office, didn't wait till Sunday morning, drove over to the church office and wrote out her tithe check to the church. I was so moved. We had given, we give give to a whole lot of people, my friends, but not very often do people do that. When she had the opportunity to give back, it was her first desire to give back to the Lord, to give back to her church. That those resources could be used to help someone else. The second is about some people who are very well off. They're very well off. And they wanted to retire like everyone else. They didn't want to have to worry or be concerned about their retirement. They could, have, they could live anywhere they want in this area. They could live anywhere they want in our area. And they could, they could basically enjoy all the pleasures of this life. And that's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. They could enjoy everything that, that the life has to offer because they worked really hard, saved really hard, and had a really a decent amount, I'm sure, saved up for, for what they want to do in their retirement. But when it came as a choice of where they were going to live when they were retired, they, choose, they chose to stay in a beautiful but modest house. And to give resources, to give the, the, what God has given them to the kingdom of God, to give that back, to give back to the Lord in a profound and incredible way. And thousands of lives have been changed, not only in our own community, but around the world because of their sacrifice. Listen, both of them honored and pleased God. Both of them honored and pleased Jesus Christ. They gave from their hearts what God had called them to give. They both gave back. Rich, middle class, or poor, it doesn't matter. They gave back to the Lord. This is so important for us to understand as we close out here. God wants us to have an intimate relationship with Him. He wants us to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. That is first and foremost. It doesn't matter where we are financially. God wants us to walk on the ancient path. He wants us to walk in the good way. He wants us to follow after those who have come before us, who have sacrificed, have given of themselves. I heard someone say, We make a living by what we get. But we make a life by what we give. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to preach to a congregation of people who are willing to sacrifice, who are willing to give. It is evident, Lord God, even throughout this summer, that you have spoken to the hearts of people. And that, Father, we are trying our best to do your will. Guide us and direct us. And how you want to use us to use the resources you've given to us. That we may reach a lost and hurting world. That we may, we may reach out to people around the world who are in desperate need. Way beyond what we can even imagine, Lord God. Use this church to impact your kingdom. And may we give you all the praise and all the glory for everything you're going to do in and through us, Lord God, as we grow in our relationship with you through our giving. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great, great day.